Good evening. Hope uh, you had a great Pesach. It was perfect uh, timing for this Pesach after such a hard year to finally have some days of holiday to relax and enjoy. Baruch Hashem, but we're back to the reality now. This lecture will be the Rufuat Adasa Batrud, Miriam Batferan, also Lilui Nishmat, Beyla Bas Eliezer, and Lilui Nishmat Esther Malka Bat Yoel. Now it's our your time. Also for the success of Elchanan, Ben Yudis, Bracha, and Shiduk for Yaakov Chaim Ben Sama. Baruch Hashem, today they announced the last Yemeni Jews left Yemen. After 2,600 years that Jews lived in Yemen, and I told you many times in the past, nice haircut. But I told you in the past many times that the Yemenites, the Yemenites, is the, the Yaman is the only Jewish community that never had one secular Jew ever in their history, in Yaman. They never had a Jew in Yaman that was Bechalel Shabbat. Just imagine in 2,600 years how many people lived there, possibly more than a million people. Now one of them was Bechalel Shabbat. Every other country, there were plenty of Mechalele Shabbat. Some countries, it went to more than 80-90% even of Mechalele Shabbat. Even today in Israel, the Jewish land, the Holy Land, they have approximately 80% Mechalele Shabbat. It's a fact. It's a very sad fact. But in Yaman, there was no such thing a woman that would dress Nahmades. Not only that, women, women start to cover their children from age three. Girls, little girls already covered their hair even. They didn't wait until they got married. From a young age, they already covered the entire hair. Just a little bit from the face you could see. I saw in my own eyes 20 years ago when the Satmer movement brought them from Yemen to Israel. Why am I telling you this? Because they asked them if they would like to make Aliyah to Israel. The Israeli wants the PR, you know. It's very good for the PR. Oh, we brought the last few Yemenites to Israel. It's good. Good uh, public relation. Baruch Hashem, they already became very smart. They're not naive like they used to be. They say absolutely not. What happened to all our brothers and sisters who went there? Almost all of them be became fully secular. We don't go there. So where do you want to go? We would like to ask for political asylum in the Emirates. They rather live in, uh, I don't know where, Dubai, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, one of these countries, than to go to Israel. Remember that I told you three weeks ago, right here, I don't know if you remember, three weeks ago, I told you before the election, remember before the election I told you there's not going to be a government? 
we got we stuck most likely forever. Half of Israel is righty, half is lefty, wicked lefties, socialist, liberal, pro-abomination lefties, haters of God, haters of Torah, half of Israel. The other half, religious people, and people that wants to live with religious people in peace. Not that everyone is religious, but I can live with you, you don't bother me. You want to be religious next to me, you want to be my neighbor, I can live with you. Half like this, half like that. As results of that, you cannot have a majority. But do you remember what I told you? That we are closer, closer to the Arabs in Israel than to the lefties. Remember this? I say it's better to make a government with the Arabs, even though some of those Arabs are not hiding their hatred to the Jewish state. They constantly speak against the Jews and some of them are big anti-Semites. But I say it's better to form a government with them than with these lefties, full of abomination, wicked lefties. Why? At least we have a lot of mutual things. They don't want naked people on the street, we don't want naked people on the street. They don't want gay parades, we don't want gay parades. They don't want Jewish Talmidei Yeshiva to go to, to, uh, to go to the army, we also don't want. For different reasons. But we don't want them to go to the army because you make them secular. They forget about the Torah after three years. They don't want the army to have more people. So from their point of view, they support when the religious people will make a vote not to send Bachurei Shiva to the army, they will support it. The lefties, forget about it. No matter what law you're looking at, we are much closer to them than we are close to these lefty traders. So guess what? A week ago, Rav Chaim Kanievsky, the number one rabbi in the whole world, Say the same exact words. He said to the religious members of the Knesset, better to go together with the Arabs than to go with these lefties. We have much more common ground with them than with them. Those lefties have no connection whatsoever to Torah, to modesty, to anything. Family values. It's such a disgrace. So we we reach a moment in history that I never in my entire life dreamed that I will one day say such thing. That the biggest enemies of the Jewish people are people that call themselves Jews, not these Arabs. The Arabs also are not naive. We know what their plans are. But better to live with them because you can come to this Mustafa and Ahmed and say, hey, listen. We both have the same goal. We don't want all these abomination garbage around our children, right? Right, so let's fight for it. We don't want all these other things that they do. You have fear from God, the Arab, of course. You say, of course I have fear from God. God, Allah, same thing. We aim to the same target, same goal. Better to cooperate with the enemies of Israel to reach 
more modesty in the Holy Land. Did you ever hear such a sad thing ever in your life? You understand what we're talking about? The lefties of the old days and the lefties of today, it's heaven and hurt. Nothing to compare. Back in time, you had, for instance, a lefty socialist, communist. His name was Bear Katzinelson. You ever heard his name? Half of the streets of Israel are named after him. Katzinelson, Katzinelson. A lot of buildings, these, hospital, whatever. Katzinelson is a very common name in Israel. He was a lefty, communist. I don't have to tell you, communists are not exactly supporters of God. In the time of the Holocaust, in Auschwitz, now this week everybody's talking about the Holocaust in Israel because the Zionists in Israel, they made the Holocaust Day in this week, which is a week before the Independence Day and the Memorial Day. Why they made it this week? You're not supposed to mourn in the month of Nisan. Month of Nisan, it's a happy month. You don't make confessions, you don't fill out the pine. So they did it. On purpose, out of ignorance, I don't know. Probably uh, on purpose, to get the religious people angry. They set up the National Holocaust Day on the month of Nisan. When you don't make eulogies and all these things. So, Everybody now talks about it, you know, when they get into the, into the mood or mood of the Holocaust, which is very, very depressing, very depressing, especially when you hear about some of the stories, it breaks your heart a thousand times. So one of the stories that came up today from one of the books that were written about heroism in the Holocaust, that when the Nazis told the, the, the Jews to take off their clothes, all standing, and one of the rabbis there, one rabbi said, we have to prepare for our death with dignity. Their shirts were already off. Now they asked them to take off the rest of their clothes. So he said to them, we're going to die anyway. So we have to prepare for it. What we have to do, we have to confess. We have to do full tshuva, full repentance. Scream to Hashem, Hashemnu, Bagadnu, that our death will be the complete repentance for our soul. So they all, remember there were some secular people there, religious, secular, Hasidish, not Hasidish, mixture of Jews. In Auschwitz, they did not separate between what kind of Jew you are, from what city you came or whatever. Everybody who got there, they shaved their head, everybody looked the same. So, everybody started to scream, the Nazis went crazy. One general came, started to scream, what is this? We're starting to pray now. And they ignored them. They already had guns pointing to their heads. 
big guns, a lot of guns, soldiers. They continue, ashamu, bagano, and they started to shoot and killed all of them. When something like this happened, this Zionist activist, communist, socialist, Bel Katzinelson, a lefty, that's why I said the lefties of those days were better than the righties of today. He said, for me, this act of heroism by these religious Jews, and even some of them were not religious, they just joined the group. When they realized, anyway, we're going to die, at least let's do tshuva. It's better than any act of heroism in the entire Jewish history. Better than all the, that we occupied Israel, and better than the war, and better than people gave me their life in a war, and all of that. For people that stuck to their hashkafa, to their ideology, to their belief, to the last second of their life, knowing they're going to die now for that, there's nothing higher than that. This is an example of a lefty seventy something years ago. Today a lefty will make fun of them. And a newspaper. Stupid people, foolish, died for nothing. That's it. This is what's going on. So now you're gonna hear in Israel this week a lot of the stories. A lot of the stories. One of the one more story came out, I heard when Borat was talking about it. And one rabbi said to a very cool couple, couple were the Jewish cops. They were in charge of the, of the Jews. The Nazis gave them a job, and they wanted to prove to the Nazis that they are loyal, that the Nazis won't kill them. So they sold their brothers and sisters. That's what their job was, the snitch, whatever they did. This one was particularly, extremely cruel. Cruel. Looks like he enjoyed torturing people. One rabbi told him, I'm gonna give you now Olam Abba, a world to come, if you bring me a glass of water. This was an hour before they killed them, an hour before. Surprisingly, this atheist, wicked, evil couple ran like a demon, ran to search for water and quickly rushed to the rabbi and gave him water, thinking the rabbi wants to drink water before they kill him. That's how stupid he was. If I'm going to die, who cares about dying thirsty or dying not thirsty? That's what I care about. Why do you want water? to wash his hands before he start to pray his last prayer of his life. And I will die with pure hands. Netilati Adai. He did not wash his hands, his hands were dirty, prayed the last prayer of his life, and went right into the gas chambers. There's a lot of stories like this. Those people, by the way, are they reached a very high level in Shamayim. They call Aruge Malchut. They kill them like this for who they are, for their, you know, for their belief, for their religion. 
they didn't have to die particularly that moment. They actually sacrificed their life. There was a way maybe they'll get out of this war alive. But they gave their life for the prayer or for the vidui. That's called Metal Kiddush Hashem. Remember, there's a thin line. If they kill you anyway, you have no say. You do nothing. You just stand like, like a fish, mute. And they kill you anyway. Let's not die on Kiddush Hashem, unfortunately. That's called the Gemara in Masechet Sanhedrin, page Mem, Mem Zayin, 47. The Gemara says, An unordinary way of death. Ordinary way to die, you all, you go to sleep, you don't wake up. Or you sick a year or two before you die, before you die, you already old, you get cancer or something. That's normal because it's the way of life. Millions of people die like that. So to die in a natural way, out of um, old age or a sickness close to old age or anything like that, that's called ordinary way to die. Anything out of the ordinary, it's called Nita Meshuna. It helps you very much in the cleaning of the soul. Meaning when a person comes to his tribe, he got a lot of clean, clean out of his sins because he was dying in a non-ordinary way. And one of the non-ordinary ways to die is that the non-Jew come and kill you just because you're a Jew. It's called Nita Meshuna Avele Chapara. To die on Kiddush Hashem means that you had a way right now not to die, even until tomorrow. I didn't have to die now. Maybe I'll get away. Some people get, came out of, uh, of Auschwitz and survived. Not that many, but some did. There was always a chance to, to get safe somehow. Hashem has his own plan for every human being. So some of these people, they actually know that by doing something for the sake of heaven, it will bring to their death instantly. They know it. It was obvious. You begin to scream, Hashamnu, Chatanu, you know they're going to shoot you. It was obvious. But I'm going to give my life to die on Kiddush Hashem. To die for the sake of heaven. When I had another alternative, remember this is critical to know this. I had a way out, meaning I didn't have to scream. I sat over there and do nothing. And another day, and another day, and another week, and another year, I may survive another year or two. Even in the most difficult condition, people wanted to leave. What's the proof? People ate bodies. If you come to a, a wealthy Jew today, and someone will give you a million dollar cash, here is a hand of a dead body, I'll cut it for you. Eat it, I'll give you a million dollar cash. How many people will agree for a million dollar cash to take one bite of a part of a dead body? Do you know how many? My guess, no, not even one. One out of a million people will not agree. Even for a million dollar cash. Even poor Jews, most likely none of them would agree to do such thing. Even for a million dollar Oh my God, what are you talking about? Just from thinking about it, I want to faint and vomit. To eat flesh of a dead body? You know what? But who did it? Bankers, lawyers, judges in a Berlin court. Who did it? 
These kind of people, they did it to survive. There's a whole book of Rav Ashri Zatzad. I lived in Lower East Side when he was still alive. I saw him in my own eyes. It was my first son, Brit Mila, came to make the brachot on the wine. It's a dick of the ghetto. We've wrote a book about Psakim that he had to answer to people in the most difficult conditions in perhaps in a history, or at least in the last 2,000 years. So one of the questions was if we are allowed to take pieces of bodies. And he answered no. So why? They're already dead. You worry about the dignity of a dead body, then the dignity of a living body. You want him to die, it's Pikuach Nefesh. He knew that if he will allow such thing, they will actually kill some of these people who are not fully dead yet. You don't die in a second. It may take hours. So if you have an opportunity when you march, they used to make him, they used to make them walk for days, walking and walking and walking, just to torture them. So in between walking, you have a body somewhere, it's a matter of seconds, just not to die, because you know, another 20 minutes, I'm gonna be dead. I, I can't even breathe anymore from hunger. You saw the fear, you saw how they look. So what happened if you, if the minute you saw a dead body on the side in the snow, you said, that's my chance not to die, pikuach nefesh. But maybe this person is not fully dead, so, so you close his nose, I know he's gonna die. I'm not killing him. I just speed his death by a minute or two or five. He's gonna die anyway. He's already 99% dead. But that one minute that you speed his death is 100% murder. Just like killing a healthy person. According to the Torah. So Avashri was brilliant, you know. It's gonna create a lot of murderers. When you in a pikuach nefesh, they tell you, kill him, if not, we'll kill you. Are you allowed to kill him? Not allowed. This is one of the three sins you're not allowed to break to save your life. To bow down to an idol, to have a relationship with a forbidden woman, and to murder someone else. And Allah, those three have to die. Shema Israel, you have to die. Speaking about Shema Yisrael, speaking about demon, let me tell you an interesting chidush of Rav Ovadia Yosef. Rav Ovadia Yosef told us a big secret, Zatzal, Rav Ovadia. Before I tell you the chidush, I don't know if you remember, a few times in the past I told the story of Rav Ovadia climbing on a ladder and forgot himself on the ladder and, for, and fell and broke his legs and all that. So apparently, Baruch Hashem, I just found out an original source to the story from a person that was like Mamash like his son. His name is Shalom Saadon. When he was 15 years old, he started to walk to the lectures of Rav in Yerushalayim, asking tons of questions, in Alacha, non-stop asking and asking and asking and asking. Slowly, slowly, Rav Ovadia liked him and kind of adapted him. He became like his 12th son. Rav Ovadia had five sons and six daughters. The wife of Rav Ovadia, Margalit, the Rabbanit, she told him, you are our 12th child. 
because he was 90% of his time with them in the house, all the time, flying with Avuvadia to Panama, to other places, you know. This guy, before he became Haredi, he was Datiloni. You know what it means, Datiloni? That's slang. Dati and Chiloni, sharpness. Wool and linen. Half wool, half linen. Half religious, half university student. That's a fatal combination. One person told me, American woman, she has university education. A very intelligent woman. She said to me, when I discovered your lectures, I used to ask myself as a secular American Ashkenazi Jew, how come when I listen to Christians, they speak a lot about punishment? And they also speak a lot about God. They keep saying, God, 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 God. And when I spoke to American rabbis, this is word by word what she told me. Today. She said, when I spoke, when I heard, oh, she started to say names. I'm not going to say their names, but she started to mention all kinds of famous speakers. When I listened to those rabbis, American rabbis, now once I heard them saying, God did this. God, 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 punishment, nothing. It was like he was out of the picture. They explained everything always in a natural way. Like Hashem is not, uh, is not the master of the orchestra here. Nothing. did happen to us. We should have not done this. We got the Nazis angry. We should have done this. If we didn't do this, if we don't. But where is Hashem in the picture? It did not exist. You say, one day I found you. I found one of your lectures, and all of a sudden I hear, yeah, oh, there is reward, there is punishment, everything is from Hashem, Hashem did this, about the Holocaust, and about many other things. And then she realized that there is what the Torah represents, and there is what some British, American, and I don't know, all different kinds of speakers from different countries, how they present the Torah in a totally totally opposite way of the truth. Not similar way, not modified way. Modified, it could still be 90% the same. Totally opposite. When you ask them certain things, by the way, of Victor Miller and of Bravda, a few other speakers, big Chachamim that live here in America, they spoke obviously 100% the truth of the Torah. 100%. They got a lot of fire for it, for some of the things they say. A lot of fire for it. Like they asked Victor Miller a lot of questions about the Holocaust. He told them the painful truth, which they don't want to hear. They want to continue to live in a lie and deny. Like the Holocaust was some kind of a random hurricane that nature created. There's nothing we can do. Hurricane happens. It's the way of life. Yes, that's, that's, that's switching the, the truth completely to the opposite direction. Not one smack that a Jew got in the Holocaust was random. 
Not one drop of sweat or blood or suffering or burning or ashes was random. If one person will ever say such thing is 100% infidel and you cannot count him in a minyan bechlal. That he says something like this happened by itself. It was for political reasons. It's because of that, it's because of that. Hitler was crazy. She told me about the speech of one of them. Very interesting, I almost bought his house. Baruch Hashem, it worked out, I did That he started to compliment Hitler, he's so brilliant and so charismatic, and how he brainwashed the Germans. And then was so No, he's probably, I don't know if he's alive or not. I'm talking to you, somebody very old. I don't even know if he's still alive, to be honest with you. So, he, he, she says, his entire lectures about it was all political. Now, one word about Hashem. That's the cancer in our nation today. This is all university speakers. Once the university and the Torah that they learned got mixed, there's nothing more dangerous than that. If you get this, what I just told you, it will save you and your children and your grandchildren in the future. When you teach ideology or you learn ideology or you pass it to your children and grandchildren, remember, whenever they give you an article or a book or a lecture or a CD of someone that he was years in a non-Jewish university, immediately push it away. Don't even open it. Yes, you may find here and there some interesting, correct things there. Not everything is false. But it doesn't go by majority or minority. That's not how it goes. In a book, if you know that even 5% of the book is uh, heresy, it's heretic, you're not allowed to touch it. It has to go to the Knizai immediately. When people present the tragedies that happened to the Jewish nation, in a natural way, it was movement in the world, development on the world, a crazy leader, a charismatic leader, anti-Semitism. That's 100% heresy. You should know that, you should know. It will be very difficult for some people to see the difference. You have to have very sharp ears and very, very sharp head to get right away who is straight and who is crooked. One day will teach you the truth, the, opposite, the next day will give you the poison of your life. Comes into you like a venom of a snake and destroys your neshama in a minute. I, I'll never forget that one woman called the hotline of one of these hotlines here in New York. I don't know which one. He didn't even tell me the name of it. But one hotline that they have rabbis that answer and they helping parents that have problems with their children. She started to say that her son is a drug addict and became a criminal and became a thief and he's doing that and the police and you know, one thing leads to another. So she feels guilty by the way they raised him. We should have done a better job. Look what happened from the mistake we made. Like every parent that has a child like this, he feels guilty. If he's normal. 
If he doesn't feel guilty, he's wicked. If he feels guilty, it doesn't mean that it's really his fault. Maybe Hashem has his own calculation. Only, only Hashem knows all the reasons for what happened to some children. Not always it's your fault. Sometimes you think it is, but it's not. It would happen with or without you. And sometimes it's 100% your fault. Just enough that you give your child access to all kinds of movies and stuff that are not modest, that's it. You destroy them, you murder their son. 100%. So she called up his hotline and the genius that answered told her, no, no, why you think it's your fault? Of course it's not your fault. How do you know that Hashem does not want your son to be a drug addict? That's what he told them. Ah, don't feel guilty. Hashem wants your son to be drug addict. Hashem wants him to be wicked. Hashem wants him to be Mechalel Shabbat. Hashem wants him to be a thief. Very easy way out. Why did you just murder? Hashem wanted it. Leave me alone. Why are you arresting me? Why you just took drugs for the first time in your life? Hashem wanted it. You know these crazy people, they murder, they say, why did you do that? I heard the voice. It happens thousands of times. I heard the voice telling me to go kill my own parents. It happened in Israel. A guy said, I heard the voice, went against his own parents. One person killed his own child. They ask him, why did you do that? Teenager. He said, I heard a voice commanding me to do it. So let's go back to what Rabu Vadia said. Remember the story was, now this uh, Shalom Sadon, he was a banker. He was number two in discount bank of Israel. It's a major bank, second biggest bank I think in Israel. You have a Pualim, and after that discount bank. They even had a branch in Manhattan, I think. So he became, within the years, number two in the bank. It's a big, big job. You control the whole, all the hundreds and hundreds of branches and thousands of people. Real big shot in a business world. And of course, he went to Barilan University. He was the Tiloni. But once Ravovadia saw that he has good head and he asked good question, he started to get him out of his nonsense and turn him to be Haredi. 100% ultra-orthodox. And he wrote this book. See how thick? Look how thick. I have 400 pages here. It's a treasure, this book. Because you have things that nobody ever knew about Rafovadia. And he, in Hebrew. And he actually told the story as he was there. So first of all, Ravovadia did not break his legs, he broke his head. It wasn't the legs, it was the hand. But there is few more details in the story which I did not know until Chola Moed. But I read the story because he was there when it happened. It makes the story ten times better. At 6 p.m., Ravovadia used to live at one point in Rechavia. Rechavia, it's a neighborhood in Yerushalayim that has a lot of private homes. A house there can cost between 5 and 15 million dollars, some of the houses there. Very expensive. There are a lot of uh, famous people live there. 
the bell, we have apartments there, most of them is private area. And it's old-fashioned homes, like the nice high ceiling, you know, from the old days of Jerusalem. That's why it's part of the fact that it's very expensive is those, they don't build like this anymore. It's ancient, it's like similar to Forest Hills Garden. They have houses that were built in 1920 by the Germans who came from Germany. You're not allowed to change anything from the outside. You have to keep it authentic. If you're going to change the windows or something, you get a big fine. Why? They want to reserve it as it was 100 years ago, when they used to have carriages with horses there. In Forest East Garden. It's a private area. Same thing in Yerushalayim, you have some areas like this. This Rechavia, Ravavada used to live there for a while before he moved to Arnof, where he lived in Arnof for the rest of his life, Rehova Kablan 45. Before they moved to Arnof, Arnof was a, a brand new neighborhood. The, the religious people developed a big mountain, it's Arnof, mountain view, that's, that's what it means. Before he moved there, they started to build a lot of places there, it became a place of Torah, then he decided to move to make his wife happy, she wanted. She, Rechavia was, uh, it's like you say, uh, like you say, uh, Park Avenue. These people don't feel voice of Torah over there. So the ceilings were very high. And he had, of course, the library in the entire wall, all the way to the top. And in order for him to get the books, he needed to climb on a, on a big ladder to go all the way to the top to get the books. This was 6 p.m. He was standing on the ladder when his son-in-law came in. Son-in-law came in, walked into the house. He said, Kvod I have an urgent question. Came specially, urgent question. And was standing on the ladder with a book in his hand. When he's going deep in a book, nothing can distract him. So he said to him, wait until I finish, Ani me'ayen. Me'ayen means I'm deeply concentrated in what I'm learning now. The son-in-law stood there between 6 and 6.30 p.m. Half an hour downstairs. He realized I'm going to stand here until the morning. So he tried for the second time. For the Rav, it's an urgent halacha question. I need an immediate answer. So wait, wait until I finish. He said to the Rabbanit, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna call later on the phone. He went home. The Rabbanit went to sleep at one point. At 11 p.m. she heard, boom! He started to walk, he forgot that he's standing on a ladder. He was on the ladder from 6 p.m. until 11 p.m. This part I never knew. Five hours standing on the ladder with a book. Time doesn't exist, no place, nothing exists when you dip in the Torah. Then he forgot that he's standing on the ladder, started to walk. By the time he realized, he made already the step. And he fell and broke his arm. The Rabbanit came, and who did she call? Shalom Sadon. That's the story. When Rabbi Yashiv heard that, the day or two later when he was in the hospital, 
רב אליאשיב סעד, to his son-in-law, רב זילברשטיין, that writes on the interesting books now, עלינו לשבח את רסטרדן, he's a son-in-law, he's one of גדולי ישראל. He said to him, let's go and do ביקור חולים. He said, who are we going to, to visit? You never go to ביקור חולים, it's ביטול תורה for you. I never stop learning, where do you have now two hours time to go to the hospital to visit some sick person? You're losing a lot of learning of Torah. He said to him, we are not going to visit a sick person. We're going to visit the Torah that fell on the floor. That's what he told me. Wow. And I went over there to visit Avovadia. Avelyashi already knew Avovadia because he used to be Dayan in the same Bedin. Avelyashi was the Av Bedin. He was about 15-20 years older than Avovadia. He was the head Dayan, the head judge, and Avovadia was in one of the judges there. If I remember correctly, he was in Petah Tikva. So he went and visited him. And this was the story with the ladder. Now it, now it 100% the way it happened. It wasn't the legs. It was the hand. So he broke his hand. Look, look what he says now. There are four demons in the world. Very powerful, dangerous demon. Shedin. One of them, his name is Avon. The other one, his name is Mashchit. The other one, his name is Af. The other one, his name is Chema. Four names. The worst one is Af and Chema. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu says in the Torah. There is a verse in the Torah that speaks about those two. כי הגורתי מפני האף והחמה. This is uh, in ספר דברים. So what's the significance of those four? Every night when we pray Arvit, after the lecture we're going to pray Arvit, how the davening of Arvit starts? Faradim, Ashkenazim, everywhere you go. What? והוא רחום. יכפר עוון ולא ישחית וירבה להשיב אפו ולא יעיר כל חמתו, right? והוא רחום יכפר עוון, that's one of the משחיתים, עוון, ולא ישחית, that's משחית, וירבה להשיב אפו, that's against אף, ולא יעיר כל חמתו, that's חמה, four names כנגד those four demons. How do you make the power of these demons very low against you in your life? Because these demons, they are very dangerous and cause a lot of problems in our life. Like Malachi Chabala. How do you lower, you lower their power? By saying Shema Israel at night with strong kavana. What does it mean with strong kavana? With strong intention and attention. Both. You gotta pay very careful attention to what you say, especially in the first verse of Kriyat Shema. 
ונשא שמע ישראל השם אלוקינו השם אחד, ברוך שם כבוד מלכותו לעולם ועד, you must have כוונה. If you don't have כוונה, you have to repeat it. The rest of the Shema, if you don't have כוונה, you don't repeat, but the first פסוק מעכב, you have to have כוונה. Why it's important to have כוונה? Let's see. What's the secret of Shema Yisrael? Shema. What letter it starts with? Shin. What letter the פסוק finish with? דלת. The פסוק, not the word. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. שין, שמע, אחד, דלת, שין ודלת, what word is this? שד, דימן. This פסוק is a sword against those four מלאכי חבלה. But it gets better. Now you see the brilliance of the Torah. Listen carefully. The word שמע start with שין, what's the other two letters? מ"ם עין, right? What's מ"ם עין? משחית and עוון. מ"ם עין. The two. The word אחד, finish with דלת, but we use the דלת already, the שין and the דלת. So now what do we have? א' and ח', אף חמא. So the first two and the last two together they give the abbreviation of those four מלאכי חבלה. How do you cancel them? You say Shema Yisrael, you have in mind Shin in the end of the Pasuk Dalet against those four and you have those four letters Mem Ayn Alef Chet against those four and when you say Avit Ve'ur Achum Yechaper Avon Ve'ur Achum Yechaper Avon Ve'lo Yashchit Ve'irba Lashiv Apro Ve'lo Yair Kol Chamato Four words against those four, the same words Shema Yisrael also have another hint in it. In the Shema Yisrael you have all the list of the number of people who go up to the Torah in a Jewish cycle. Shema, the word Shema, have three letters. Three, three people go up to the Torah every Monday and every Thursday. Shlosha Olim, three. Then You have Shema Shabbos and Nimcha. Yeah, okay. Then you have Israel. How many letters? Five. When do you have five people go up to the Torah? Yom Tov. On Yom Tov, five people. Hashem, Yudke Vavke, four letters. When do you have four people go up to the Torah? Rosh Chodesh and Chol Amoed. Elokeinu, six. Elokeinu, six letters. When do you have six people go up to the Torah? Yom Kippur. And the last two words, Hashem, Echad, Yudke, Vavke, it's four, Echad, three letters, seven letters, Shabbat. That's already in the Pasuk, hinting. Hinting. Aruch Hashem. This book is, uh, like I say, full of beautiful Hidushim, stories from life, unbelievable things that happen. One of the things I would like you to know, Rav Ovadia Yosef one time said 
There's two, two different things. One time he cried in one of his speeches at night. He cried and he said there's one million Jewish children in Israel who do not know how to say Shema Israel. I'm so worried that I will be responsible for that in Shammai. And nobody did more for those children than him. Constantly fought more and more to put children in Talmudet Torah and all that. But he took responsibility for those million, one million secular kids who do not know how to say Shema Yisrael. Don't know what it is, unfortunately. One time he said, in Passover, 40,000 Israelis go on vacation to where? Taba. You know where Taba is? We gave it back to Egypt in a peace agreement. There's an amazing beach, similar to the beaches of Elat, supposedly one of the nicest beaches in the world, beautiful blue water, and mountains of desert around. Very pastoralic, amazing view. The Egyptians insisted, in one piece, you must give us everything you occupied, Sinai, Taba, Yamit, all these places. The amount of property we gave back to Egypt to make ceasefire with them, there's no peace with them, obviously. There's no peace. No Israeli can go on a trip to Egypt. You'll be killed before you land. You cannot walk in Cairo as a Jew or Israeli speak Hebrew. Probably within an hour you'll be slaughtered. Few times it happened. Tourists went there and they shot them. The hatred to the Jews in Egypt is the highest in the Arab world. And this was the first Arab country we made a political peace agreement with them. Why? It was very good for them. What did they have to lose? They got back all the property we occupied from them in a war. Six day war and then Yom Kippur. We gave it all back to them. Do you know the size of the property we gave them is bigger than Israel? I remember I was in the Air Force back then. One of the pilots told me, now it's impossible to fly. Before that, we had a lot of space. F-16, that, flying. Now, as soon as you take off, <laughs> you're already in the border. There's no place for training. All oh, the desert went back to them. But why am I telling you this? Ravadia heard that 40,000 Israelis will be on the week of Pesach in Taba, laying naked on the beach, men and women, and drinking beer and eating chametz. Most of them, some of them. Even without eating chametz, just going to such a place, Shem Yerachem. And he said, when I come to Hashem, I know He will punish me for these 40,000 Israelis who go to Taba. That I did not close the Gemara and went to do Kiruv to save their souls. I, it's my fault. I won't be able to say to Hashem, what do you want? I learned Torah all my life non-stop, and that's true. He never wasted a minute in his life. Torah was his whole life. Do you understand what I just told you? 
the ordinary people don't learn two minutes to write day, unfortunately. And they have a lot of excuses why they don't have to do Kiruv. <coughs> he was giving his life for the Torah, wrote all these important books, we cannot move an inch without them, all the halachot, everything we know basically in this generation, everything, at least the Sfaradim, it's all in. And what did he say? It's my fault! 40,000 Israeli goes on Yom Tov to Taba, to lay on the beach. I should have done Kiruv. Three days later, one Egyptian terrorist went there, boom, exploded and killed many of them. Ooh. I don't know if you remember this. Right after he said that. That's unbelievable. What people would say. Baruch Hashem, in the time of Bet HaMikdash, we used to go to the Bet HaMikdash for Passover and Sukkot and Shavuot, the three festivals of the year. All male from 13 and above must come to Yerushalayim. Of course, they bring the children, women, but obligation, if you bar mitzvah, you must go. You go to Yerushalayim, you celebrate, you have Bet HaMikdash, you do Korban HaPesach, you have groups all over. Imagine, probably hundreds of thousands of people all over in the mountains of Jerusalem, amazing barbecue smell everywhere. Inside Yerushalayim, they used to bring 40 people in, close the door, do it, 40 goes up, another 40 comes in, yes, they used to do it like this. While the Levim, the Levites, used to sing unbelievable music. The Middle Eastern music is a very spiritual music. Very spiritual. Meaning, what the Arabic say, ma'awal, all kinds of, uh, they go up very much in a voice, like the Persian singers or the Arab singers. All this style of music with the violin and uh, all this santur and all these things that they play with, this was exactly taken from Bet HaMikdash from the Levine. The songs that the Arabs and the Persian Muslims and all these people in the Middle East sing today, and hundreds of millions of people follow them, was all taken from Bet HaMikdash from the Levim. This is the style of music they used to sing. They had voices that took your soul out of your body. You come to Bet HaMikdash, the music went all the way to Lod, where the airport is, with the wind. It was an incredible scene. They came to Bet HaMikdash, and in Cholamoyed, the rabbis used to make a show with, uh, with torches and all kinds of to bring the children, even the ignorant people who are not so much into religion, to bring them, to give them some entertainment that they should also come. If you tell them only learning and only praying and only sacrificing, ah, I don't feel good. Dad, my stomach hurts. I'll come next year. <coughs> no, don't. Rabban Gamliel have a show eight. Eight torches in the air, and they don't fall for an hour. Do you know one person in the world that can go juggle with eight? Three, it's barely impossible with fire. Three. You know how difficult it is? Three with fire, not to, to hold it in the wrong side. Eight in the air. One rabbi used to walk to stand on his two thumbs and the legs all the way up. 
They asked why the rabbis have to make such a sword. And what is a circus over here? They did everything they can, even put their ego down and the respect down, just to bring the ignorant people to Yerushalayim. Otherwise, how are you going to bring them? When you have children that do not want to come to Daven on Shabbat, Moishi, it's nine o'clock. Don't worry, I'll be there. Moishi, it's 9.20. Father finished davening nets, he's already home, did kiddush, already ate, nine o'clock, his son, Moishi, no get up, it's already 9.30. Don't worry, I'll make it, they go slow. Moishi, it's 10 o'clock. Don't worry, I'll make it. By the time you get to the shul, you already, how are you gonna make him wake up? Tell them it's a great kiddush. Kiddush, what? Shulen, Kugel, Yapche, Lechaim. Already in his bed, he's imagining, wow, Yapche, this is on me, wow. The Kugel, the oil is dripping. As much as he loved to sleep, he got very scared. Maybe by the time I get to Musaf, already everything will be finished. So quickly get up and he comes to the shul. What brought him to the shul? His love to Hashem and to talk to Hashem? I wish. <laughs> what brought him to the shul? The smell of the kegel. Kugel Yerushalmi, Kugel this, Kugel that. Ah, delicious. If you go to one of the Syrian synagogue, better than to go to a fencing wedding. One time I was there in Kiddush. Wow, beautiful. Shabbat me'en olam abba. Waiters with bow ties, cutting the meats, 20 different kinds of fish, everyone enjoy after the tefillah. Ah, great to be a Jew. They bring delicious flavor to the religion. Why? You need it! That's the level of most of the people in the world. What do you think? Everyone is a parosh, all his life is Torah. Every once in a while you see a shining diamond. Doesn't care about the food, doesn't even go to the dining room, nothing quickly, does kiddush. Take, take a little challah, put in a trina, finish. What happened? I'm done. Chazonish didn't remember if he ate or not. Somebody had to remind him. The stipler was eating one cookie in the middle of the day, just not to faint. Need to eat something, it's a cookie. One time, one of his uh, Talmidim came and he saw that the cookie is there. And he asked him, for the rabbi, I didn't eat the cookie today. He said, I did, I ate the cookie. He said, no, the cookie is there. He said, listen, if I ate the cookie or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, if I made bracha or not, this I never forget. And I'm telling you, I made a bracha, it means I ate the cookie. He said, come with me, Kvod Took the cycler, here is the cookie. So what did he eat? A piece from the ceiling fell. From the line, you know, the, 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 the sheet rack, whatever. Big piece fell down. And he was into the learning. And he had the, the, the thing and didn't even feel. And he made bracha jacon on it, or mezotos, whatever it was. 
ונסטייפלריס תודה לגמרא, they used to pick the תלמידים, how we dance with the גמרא around the table, the tears of happiness, the connection they had to Hashem is beyond any understanding. If you want to see a little bit of that, you have to come one time to Monsi, to Vishnitz. It's worth it for you, believe me. Bring your camera with you. And you come to Vishnitz and ask the Hasidim there, where is Rav Mordechai Steiner David? Now he has his own shul. He's not how many years already. I went to the shul for a couple of months. But he always was in Vishnitz for years. Baruch Hashem now he has his own shul. Even better, you go to his own shul, find out. Yeah, you have to see how he does it. Just you have to see. Just you have to see an example. There are three people like this that I know. That when they pray, you know that their neshama, their soul is glued, glued to Hashem, not with crazy glue, with super, super, super crazy glue. Gorilla glue. Glue like you can... Gorilla. Gorilla tape, whatever. You cannot detach it from a limb. You have to see this. Who are the three that I know? Maybe, maybe more. One of this Western wall inside the tunnel every morning next minyan. Next time you go to Israel, make sure one morning to go down there. Find out what time is sunrise, Go about half an hour at least before, you'll find him over there. He's the Chazan. Ravades. Ah, screaming, crying. Then you have Rav Kuk from Tveria. He doesn't scream. And he prays for hours. You have to see for hours. Hours, hours. It's a saraf, malach. And then you have this Rav Mordechai Steiner. Used to be Rav Moshe Malka Zatzal Even on Shabbos he was crying. Used to come to us for the yeshiva. You know, Shabbos, you're happy. You forget about your problems, this, that. You enjoy. Everybody come, dress nice, singing. We sing a lot when we pray. When you used to come, you felt like you're on Yom Kippur in Filat Neila. Until I heard one of the rabbis said that's not good. Everybody become depressed, right? He couldn't help it. Every time he spoke to Hashem, he was crying nonstop. In the middle of Shmonaisre, crying, crying, crying. I read such levels. He, he was very, very high in Emunah, in, in confidence in Hashem. Super, super high level of Emunah. I was very, very friendly with him. I had schut, Mishamayim, I don't know what Hashem found in me, but I had schut that few times he came to my house, and we were in touch. You have to see the Avodat Hashem that he had and the Emunah that he had. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having memories of and the Ashrut. How he was far away from politics, what's in it for me. I was never a factor by him. There's no such thing, what's in it for me, what will I get, what will I lose, should I do it for myself, should I not? I was not, the Ani did not exist by him. You know, they made a joke. In past generation, 
all the candies or all the things that people used to eat was kneida lach. Everything finished with lach, 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 lach. Meaning for you. Now it's for me, beastly, kingly, everything for me, for me. Li, li means for me. It changed the names of the food, Baruch Hashem. So, now Baruch Hashem, we used to go to Bet HaMikdash, celebrate Passover, and then after the Yom Tov, first day after Yom Tov was Korban HaOmer. In case you forgot, we started the counting of the Omer. Now we already counted until yesterday, eight days. Yesterday was eight days, soon we're going to go to the next number. But there is a question now if counting the Omer today, it's mitzvah from the Torah or rabbinical obligation. According to the Rambam, it's mitzvah from the Torah. Other poskim say it's rabbinical. What's the argument? Does this depend on Bet HaMikdash and Korban HaOmer or not? The counting of the Omer, when you begin to count after you bring the Korban HaOmer, the counting of the Omer, is it connects to the actual uh, Korban HaOmer or not? If yes, then it's all one mitzvah. And you don't have Bet HaMikdash today, so it's rabbinical. If not, it's a separate mitzvah from the Torah. With Korban, without Korban, the, the mitzvah remains. With Bet Mikdash, without Bet Mikdash, nothing changes in the status of it. That's a big difference. Why? If it's from the Torah, you must wait 72 minutes after sunset, only when you see a lot of stars in Shammai, to count. If it's Rabbinical, 13 and a half minutes already after Shkia, I can safely say it. No problem. Why? Safek de Rabbanan lekula. There's a lot of laws about the Sfirat HaRomer. I don't want to now go into it. But one thing you should know. If a person forgot to count one night the Omer, every night you count, you make bracha, and then you say the number of the days and the number of the weeks. Like yesterday was eight days, you say Ayom, שמונה ימים לעומר, שאין שבוע אחד ויום אחד. והאשכנזים זה שהוא שבוע ויום אחד. In one sentence. It's same thing. You have to count the days and the weeks. The counting of the Omer, it's 49 days, preparation for what? For שבועות. שבועות. Which means the holiday that... Significance of Shavuot is Matan Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Jewish nation to Ma'amad Ar Sinai for the first and last time in the history that God spoke to a group of people. Millions of people heard his voice for the first and last time. It never happened after that. And it never happened before that. It only happened to individuals. Kavra, Yitzhak, Yaakov, individual. Moshe in a, in a burning bush, but um, so many millions will hear the voice of God, it happened only one time in Muhammad al-Sidai. That's, by the way, makes the major difference between Judaism and all the 80,000 fake religions and cults that came after, which is all a cheap imitation of the Torah. Because it's all a story of one person that came up and told a story, and one witness ever saw it, and that's why their books are full of mistakes full of human errors. 
And the Torah don't have errors, you don't have mistakes, and the Torah started with the testimony of millions of people. That's why it's solid. It never changed and will never change. Will always remain, always, always, because it goes from generation to generation. So when we were there in the, in the, in the counting of the Omer, after they did the Korban Omer, you were allowed to eat all the Tvu'ah Hadashah. You have Kemach Yashan. Sometimes you come to the bakery, you see they have a sign, Kemach Yashan. Why? Because from time of Rosh Hashanah, all the way to Pesach, you're not allowed to eat this Kemach. It has to be Kemach that was already before. Once Korban Omer came, he makes everything from now on per So, Rabbi Tzion Shaul said that in America, back in his time, today somebody made a, a notebook with the source of the flour that each baker used. You can find out cookies, these cookies, it's Yashan, this one is not, this one is one rabbi for months he made a, a, a book about it. But before that book, it was Safek Sveka. When you have two doubts, it makes it permitted. One doubt in the mitzvah from the Torah, it's not allowed. One month, one doubt in mitzvah the Rabbanan, it's allowed. But mitzvah from the Torah, one doubt, Safek Doraita al Khumra, you don't take risk. But when you have two doubts, two doubts makes it 75 25. One doubt is 50-50. There is no ruling. 50 against 50. It's time. You can't take a risk. Maybe he's right, maybe he's right. But when you have two doubts, so you have 50-50, and on the other 50, you have another 50% doubt. So it makes it 75-25. And the Torah says, Achare Rabin Latot. After the majority, you have to follow. Majority in quality, not in quantity. There's no way to gather all the rabbis in the world and count how many allow, how many doesn't allow. It's not realistic. So you take the top three in the world, that, that's what the Mechaber in Shulchan Aruch, Yosef Karodi, he took the top three poskim that existed before him, Rambam, Rif, and Erosh, and he followed the majority between those three top giants. That's how we have Shulchan Aruch, based on the psakim of the three giants, Chachamim. The Rambam and the Rif were Sfaradim, the Rosh was Ashkenazi. Together he took the top three in Halacha. Maybe there were other rabbis bigger in Parshanut, like Rashi was the biggest Mefaresh. Rashi, there's no question about it. Without Rashi, we'll know half of what we know today, not even a quarter. Rashi, Hashem already made sure that his name will be in the first word of the Torah, meaning you cannot go one step in the Torah without Rashi. Bereshit, what's between the bed and the, and the taf? Rashi. <laughs> one person came, he heard the Gaon Vilna saying, the word Bereshit, first word of the Torah, you have all the 613 commandments hinted. <laughs> Where do you find 613 commandments inside? So he came to the Gaon Vilna. He said, Where do you have the mitzvah of Pidyon Aben in the word Bereshit? He said, Easy. Bereshit. Ben, 
בית is בן, ראשון אחרי שלושים יום תפדה. בן is son, בית. What's the next letter? רש. ראשון, first, first son. א', אחרי, after, רש. רק אחרי, רש. בטריץ' אחרי שלושים יום תפדה, שלושים, שלושים יום, יום, דייז, תפתף, תפדה, יורידים. וואו. מה אתה עושה? אם אתה תגיד ברצה לפני בואי, בואי עונלי. אם הבואי היה בואי, If she was pregnant and she lost the baby, the second one is not the first one that came out of the womb. You don't have to redeem it. But if it's the first time she became pregnant and now she gave birth, after 30 days you have to call the Kohen, you have to make sure it's a real Kohen, not a clown, a real Kohen. Shomer Shabbat, serious with the right genealogy. It used to be 25 years ago, a Kohen here in Queens. I don't know if he's still alive. Back then he was in his 70s. If he's alive, he should be 100 today. His name was Rabbi Rapoport. Rabbi Rapoport. He was the Kohen in my first son, Pidyon Aben. Somebody called him to come. Important Talmud Chacham. He had a family tree. All the way to the rabbi in a Talmud, that known as Kohanim. Went from father to son, everybody wrote. Son, son of this, son of that. So you know right away, they kept the family tree, that's called Kohen Miuchas. Kohen Miuchas, meaning yes, special, excellent, superb genealogy family tree. So now you know, you come to the coin, you buy five silver coins, pure silver, probably it costs $20 each, something like that. You give it to him as a gift. You give it to him, Rabbi, you're the coin, I have to redeem my firstborn from you, meaning you own him. You need to release him, because otherwise I can never use him, it belongs to Hashem. Coin is the hand of Hashem. Servant, what does it mean, coin? Servant of God. That's what it means. Kohen, servant of God. So the Kohen has to redeem him. How do you redeem him? Like you buy him from the Kohen. So you give him five silver coins. And the Kohen now makes all the brachot and redeem the baby and the baby is free. There used to be cases that people did not do pidyon aben and their firstborn child had so many problems in their life. I saw in my own eyes once. The rabbi asked him, tell me, when you were born, your parents did Pidyon Aben? What's that? Ask your parents if they did. The parents are so ignorant, they don't know what you're talking about. Tell me, when I was born, did you do Pidyon Aben? What is it? Maze! Maze! What's that? Come, come, quick. Even when you're older, you still have an obligation to do it. Your entire life, you actually belong to that coin. You're not independent, you're not free. So you bring a coin. In, in my son's Pidyon Aben, 
we did Pidyon event to all the people in the synagogue. There's maybe 200 people there. The rabbi there asked, who is the first born here? A lot of people raised their hand. Come, all of you, to the stage. So the Kohen gave them the five coins as a gift. Now it belongs to Ruven. Now Ruven has to redeem himself from the Kohen. If his father did not redeem him, when he became Bar Mitzvah, he has the obligation to redeem himself from the Kohen. So now the Kohen gave him the coins, Ruven. After that Shimon, after that Yosef, they're all waiting alive. He gives them the five coins, you give the Kohen the, the five coins as a gift, he redeem you without Brachot. Why without Brachot? Because maybe they did it. If you redeemed already, this Brachot will be in vain. So it's not, it's not ruining the Mitzvah. If you do a Mitzvah without the Bracha, the Mitzvah stands. Bracha is extra that the Chachamim made. So you have to know. When we have suffix feka, like kemach yashan, you have flour now, cookies, kosher. I don't know the source of the flour. But Ben Zion Abishaul said, in Chutz Laaretz, it's two doubts. One doubt if the mitzvah is in Chutz Laaretz to begin with. Maybe it's only in Israel. But in Chutz Laaretz, maybe this mitzvah is not clear. And the second doubt, even if you say that you have to keep kemach yashan in, out of Israel, you don't know about this particular flower if it's before Passover or after, before Korban Haomer or after. You don't know. So therefore, it becomes permitted. Of course, Yeresh mind, someone that is God-fearing Jew, even with two doubts, even with three doubts, he will not take any risk. Big deal, I won't eat the cookie. Big deal, I won't eat this bread. It's not the end of the world. The people that have big uh, desire, it's like, Lo tachsom shor bedisho. You know this pasuk in the Torah? You have an ox, he comes to eat, and you block his mouth. That's a pure torture. He's an ox. You can't do that to an animal. An animal comes to eat, you're not allowed to block the animal access to the food. It's a torture. Many people behave more like animals than the animals. All day they think, what will we eat? What's to eat, mom? What's to nash? You just ate. Yeah, but I'm in the mood for something sweet. Two minutes later, no, did you buy anything salty? Here, go to the closet. No, all day. Baruch Hashem, why? He lives for the food. Some people live to eat. Some people eat to live. <laughs> Do you understand the difference or no? What's the purpose of your life to eat? There was one very big Rasha in Eretz Israel, in a Knesset, a father of a very big Rasha. The big Rasha today, you have to pray very hard that he doesn't become the Prime Minister of Israel, because really that's the end of all of us. He tried very hard for 20 years, Baruch Hashem, Hashem does not let him. He's called Yair Lapid, lefty, biggest hater of Torah. Him and Avigdor Limerman, the two most wicked people on earth. That's their life, to destroy the Torah. 
One time he was the head of the treasury in Israel, and he cut 50% of the budgets of the yeshivot. Thousands of people went off the yeshivot because of this rasha in Machshimo v'zichro. His father was a bigger rasha than him. The apple did not fall far from the tree. His father, one time in a live interview, they asked him, what do you wish the Jewish nation for the new year? I give you one guess what this Rasha Merusha, Shem Rashaim Irkav, what the answer. In a live interview that every person in Israel watched live. What do you wish the Jewish nation for the new year? Huh? Probably between 15 and 20 years ago, when he was still alive. He died in the meantime. And I am a believer. I'm afraid to say it in front of the camera. That he, I don't even want to say the word Hashem, will die. That's what his answer. Imagine you tell a Christian, what do you wish? the Christian nation for the new year, that he will say that JC will die. He didn't say God, he just said JC. What will happen in America? Wow, probably a civil war. If you say to the Muslim, some Muslim, what do you wish the Muslim nation? And he will say that Allah, you know, what will happen to him and his entire family in less than five minutes? I leave it to your imagination. <laughs> and in Israeli lefty, wicked media, yeah, impressive. Marshim. That's his opinion. Free country. So after that, one rabbi say, right after Pesach, you change to Morid Atal. The whole time it was Mashiva Ruach Morid Ageshet. Now we say Morid Atal. If you forgot, you have to repeat the whole davening. Better not forget. Morid Atal. And also Barcheinu. Ten Talumata. So, so, so the rabbi say, the name of his father was Tommy Lapid. Tommy, it's Tet Lapid Lamed. Morid Atal, Hashem bring down the do. That's what it means, Morid Atal. So I said, the Rabbi said, everyone has in mind when you say Morid Atal, besides the do, that Hashem will take these shagets, the header of God and the header of Torah, and bring him down. A few days later he died. Wow. Yeah? So why don't we go to the sun now? Why? Why don't we do a lot of things? So, Baruch Hashem, I tell you something. We had a very nice Pesach, but everything got ruined in the last day of Pesach, for me. Why? was wonderful. Abenji was amazing Pesach, no? Lots of different Torah, speeches, two nights of Seder until late in the morning. Amazing. The shul in my house, packed with people, we sang, beautiful speeches, great meal, amazing. 
the last day, we have one tzaddik Kohen in a community that came from Israel. Tzaddik, son of a tzaddik. His father is a big judge in a bad deal. I asked him, why did you come to our yeshiva? You're in the level of a rabbi. This yeshiva is a great yeshiva, great. Very serious yeshiva, one of the best in the world for Baalei Tshuva, if not the best. There's no place you can go spiritually like our yeshiva in most. But after all, most of the people in yeshiva are Baalei Tshuva. Yeah, it could be 10 years Baal Tshuva, 15 years, 20 years, yes, big time chachamim. But after all, it's not a place for someone who was born ultra-orthodox and all his life learning yeshivot. Why would they come age 22, 23 from Israel, from Jerusalem to Monsi to learn in such yeshiva? There's great yeshivot in Israel. I get very curious. I wanted to know if at one point in his life he went off the derech, and that's why his father sent him out of Israel, which some religious parents did. I told him, well, the time that you went down? He said, Baruch Hashem, never. Why I was surprised? Because this guy, Everything he does is extremely strict, always to the, to the most extreme strictness. There's nothing by in line, nothing. He's already, he doesn't eat kidneyot. Balaturim, the Rosh, the Yavetz, the biggest Ashkenazi poskim, eat kidneyot. He is not even Ashkenazi, he doesn't eat kidneyot, brings his own food. Not only that, he doesn't eat in the house of the Sephardi, on the plates of the Sephardi. He brings his own food. Extreme, like they say in America, super fanatic. But knows a lot of Torah. Holy, holy boy. Holy boy. What, what do you need to live in Yerushalayim? So I asked him, why did you come here? He said, I got sick and tired of what I've seen in the yeshivot in Israel. And he went to the best yeshivot. He gave me the name of what I almost fainted. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're naive. You think you know, huh? You don't know what's going on. After half an hour conversation with him, that was the last two, three hours of Yom Tov. I became extremely depressed. Ruined my entire hug. The things that he told me, that people that learn in the best yeshivot in the world, they do in their lifestyle, I was close to faint or to fall on the floor and cry. I really never ever dreamed such thing. I mean, I know the religious world is in a total bankruptcy. There's no question about it. I scream about it 20 years and it only get worse every year. But when he told me what, I'm talking to you boys, that age 22, every line in the Gemara, they can tell you what it's about, Rashi, Tosfot, they finish us. Superb boys. The most excellent ones. One out of a hundred make it to those yeshivot. Hundred apply. One makes it. You have to be super genius to be accepted and need a lot of connection. The father has to be some kind of a big rabbi, Rosh Koli, Dayan. And when he started, I don't want to even say it, it's an insult. When, what do they do? Then you know we already lost the war. 
And that's by the way I say that. I said that I, I admit, I admit, I had no idea how bad it is. I had no idea. I said we are already in a generation that the boat is drowning. No question about it. But the boat drowns little by little. You know, it's a huge boat, size of a city. You know, those big giant boats, when they begin to sink, everybody trying to run to the area that they did not sink yet. That's what we have to do. We try to save ourselves from drowning. And everything is drowning, but we have to find in between a place to to all to some tree, not to drown with a boat. Everybody has to save his soul right now. Everything is collapsing and drowning. The damage that the internet and the media made to the religious world, not only Jews, but we mainly now focusing on Jews, did damage to all the world. How do you think all of a sudden so many Arabs are now pro-Israel, singing songs to Benjamin Netanyahu, betraying their own customs and tradition. How is it possible? Internet. 30, 40, 50 years ago, you, would you find one Arab that say one nice word about Israel or the Jews? You're out of your mind. You did not have one possibility like you. Now you have millions. Why? They open up their eyes. They, don't, they did not go anymore through the brainwash of Islam. They open the internet and they begin to see and they hear stories, and they begin to hear rabbis. And they say, wait a minute, that's not what I was told. And slowly, slowly, they go off the derech in Islam, which is good for them, because Islam to begin with wasn't the derech, was not the right way. So if you're in the opposite direction and you got off the derech, the, the faster you got off the derech, the better it is for you. But we, that was on the right path, with the way of the, of the Torah of Hashem, when we go off the derech, it's a huge destruction. The Gemara say a boy and a girl, maybe sometimes it walks by the girls, that goes off the derech in the house of a person is worse than milchemet gogu makuk. Yes, worse than the, the final war that will finish up two-thirds of the people in the world, which is more than five billion people. Why? Billions of people will die and a boy that became a drug addict or became Halal Shabbat as was? Yes. <coughs> this boy will become millions of people one day. What do you think is going to happen? Then I have a few kids, not religious. Hearing over here, this one is gay, this got tattoos, this got a, this one has a ponytail. The next generation already 10 Reshaim. The next generation 50 Reshaim. The next generation 200 Reshaim. The next generation 1,000 Reshaim. The next generation 10,000 Reshaim. And grow up to a whole nation. But that's not the main reason. The main reason is because we have a solid rule in the Torah. Get it already. Put it in your head and never forget that. Hurting a soul of a person is a billion times worse than making him a physical damage. If you take a hammer and break all, every bone in his body, big tragedy. Poor guys in there, here in the hospital. So much suffering, so much wow, disaster. Almost a murder. No question that is a huge crime. Nobody denies that. 
But you told him one time, come with me to the nightclub in Manhattan. Let me show you some goyot over there. We'll drink lechaim. Ah, come on, don't be fanatic, you all the time. Chassidish, chassidish, minhagim. Come on, open up your eyes a little bit, Mendel. One time, do it for me. Okay, if you insist, let me go and see. That's it. You murder this song for life. This Mendel should have had ten Mendel Juniors. Holiness. They all became bombs. Aiders of the Torah. When someone goes off the derech sometime, oh, how dangerous they become. How dangerous they become. You have no idea, especially if they went through a trauma in their childhood. Then they make it a mission of their life to fight against everything that smells like religion. That's the reality. So when this guy told me what's happening and what kinds of things they go and they do, I said to him, just, they go to these places with a yarmulke? They walk inside the beard, yarmulke, with the, what black and white and tzitziot like they dress? He told me yes. I said, no shame. No, shame doesn't exist in the vocabulary. I said, what? Chilun Hashem, massive Chilun Hashem. He looks at me and says, I, I, I knew you naive, but I didn't know how much. How am I supposed to know this? People will kill to get one of these boys for their daughters. The fakeness of this world drives me nuts. You go and pay thousands of dollars every month to pay for somebody like this to learn. You buy the house. Who, who get these boys? The richest Jews. Somebody has daughters, he better be rich. Why? If he has a lot of money, he will be able to get supposedly the best learners. The best learner will take your daughter only in one condition. A, that she's very pretty in his eyes. No compromising on beauty. B, I don't want to say it, it's not modest, but it's something to do with the beauty also. And see, Papelinos, <laughs> Dinero, what kind of apartment will I get? Five bedroom? <coughs> we can talk. Three bedroom, go find somebody else. Go, go look for your mother. Leave me alone. Don't waste my time. You want, you want him? He's the spitz of the yeshiva. You know what spitz? Yeah. The, the top of the, of the pencil. The sharp point. Spitz wow, he can, can, can make you dizzy from his knowledge. Hypnotize you. Then he goes to the theater to watch Hollywood movie with naked eyes. How does he so I asked him that. He said, I don't understand. I learn one hour Torah, it kills my Yitzhara for two days. It doesn't exist. I feel on fire. If it's Musar, for three, four days even. From fear. These people, doesn't affect them? He said, they learn because it's interesting. That's what Hazan said. תלמיד חכם שמידותיו רעות נבלס רוחה בשוק טובה ממנו. 
Chazal say, Talmid Chacham, do you know what it means, Talmid Chacham, in the language of Chazal 2,000 years ago? There is now one question for millions of topics of the Torah that you will ask him, and he does not know fully everything by heart. There's no such thing. It's, not, it's above human. It's divine. Talmid Chacham in the language of Chazal? Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? Wow. You cannot imagine such knowledge. Not like some kind of a professor today, it's a joke. Nothing to compare. But he has bad midot. Pride, ego, he is that. The Rabbis and Yishim don't know. They don't know. Scary, 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 very scary. Very depressing. I don't know, I felt later, I felt terrible that I even asked him what brought you to New York. Maybe I should not know about it. But on the other hand, you need to know the truth. Why do you need to know it? One day you're going to have daughters. Don't be fooled by anyone who tells you stories. Don't be fooled by the way a person looks and how much Torah he knows and all the show of he's the son of a big rebbe. Enough with this nonsense. Enough is enough. Enough with Shtuyot. You know, I want to tell you something. One rabbi told me that he has a difficulty marrying his daughter. His daughter is super, super righteous girl. She's not an ugly girl. She's uh, above average. What reason she has not to get married? Then I started to think, why? Why most of the offers, guys will not grab her? Such a tzaddik rabbi, this guy. Serious, head of community, real ben Torah. His wife is a serious rabbit saint. Why would people not stand online to become the son-in-law of this rabbi? It did not give me a rest. When I see things, I like to go to the bottom of things. I don't like to go on the surface. I was thinking and thinking and thinking, and I came up with the answer. They don't want to be exposed. Who does want? The people, they get an offer, we have a great girl for you. The daughter of this holy rabbi, and tamishpachat, and He knows he's a faker, this guy. He knows how long with my fakeness with less. This rabbi is sharp. He's going to detect. He will see what time I wake up on shachrit. He will see how I daven. He will see how I make brachot. He will see everything about me. He will see my glory. He will see everything. By the way, we'll know who I am. Better to take some rich guy that doesn't know anything from his life, let him give me a tons of money, and I can continue with my actions. Otherwise, there's no other explanation. There is one more explanation that just came to my mind now. What is it? Maybe he doesn't have confidence that he's good enough. That's also possible. Maybe he's real righteous. Righteous people always think I'm not righteous enough. Maybe he think, who am I to get the daughter of such an important family? I don't deserve it. Well, I'm going to make myself look like a fool. He's going to talk to me in Torah, in high level, and I'm not in that level. I don't want to look like a joke. So he doesn't have confidence to sit in the table with such a Talmud Chacham, and he will find out that he's not such a spitz like he thought. It's also possible. You get a little taste of the fake world we live in and don't think that something here is new. 
none of it is new. If the Gemara said 2,000 years ago that someone can know the whole Torah and still be a rotten human being, the question is, how can it be? The Torah is supposed to kill the Yetzirah. It's an antibiotic against the Satan. So how is it possible that you're going to know the whole Torah and still have proud and all kinds of things? Or anger? The answer is, it's not. Even to take the medicine, you need to want to take the medicine. If the doctor gave you the antibiotic and you don't want to take it, how is it going to help? Or you don't take it enough, or you don't take it in the right time. The idea is that if you want the Torah to make you a decent, clean, pure human being, it's not just enough to learn Torah. You have to work very hard to fix your midot. And the problem today is that most people are not even aware of the necessity to improve the midot, to fix the character. That's why today you see boys that will give their life not to cut their blowing. Their life. 16 years old, 17 years old. Not Shababnik, someone who smokes on the street. No. Serious? In the Gemara is great. Man, it's great. Ed Omer, come, let's cut this. Oh, don't touch it. Why would a man or a teenager would want to have a high blow it? Why? Why would he like to become Travolta? <laughs> what for? Give me one reason. Don't, you don't have to tell me the reason. You know it's not a good pure reason. Who's Travolta? <laughs> that you don't know who he is. <laughs> If you look at his face, you need to fast 40 days <laughs> from the impurity of his face. You're lucky you don't know who he is. We're lucky. Baruch Hashem. But I'm still shocked from what he was saying. It's hard to digest. Hard to digest. Now all the boys go back to the yeshivot in Israel. Do you know how much they're charging for flight to Israel this week and next week? Up to $7,000 a ticket. Another month from now, the prices are less than $700. Why? Because they are criminals, that's why. They take advantage of people and they know now we can squeeze as much as we can and that's what we're going to do. The cheapest ticket, $2,000. I don't understand how the politicians do not make a law that airlines must charge a fixed rate all year around. From every city to city, that's a fair rate. Do the average of the entire year. We don't care this week, that week. All year, one price. New York to Los Angeles, $350 all year around. Not $1,200 when you take advantage because it's a special weekend. That's going to solve all the problem. Nobody has to search, kill himself, this, stop in Russia for two days. Flat fees. They can do it. And they won't lose, by the way. Because they're going to go average. Only because of the oil, oil controls and prices. Yes, that's true. Why doesn't Yeshiva stay there for Pesach? Like the minute, the minute all the Bokhun stay there for Pesach. 
One day when you have children, I will remind you that he asked me this brilliant question. I want to see when your son will learn in Israel, and you're going to tell him, Moishit, Pesach is a, it's a special holy day. Stay in yeshiva, shtayg. Abba, I want to come to Borough Park. I want to be with the family. No, no, stay in the neighborhood. Stay by yourself in the dorm. Well, the whole yeshiva stay. I wish. Well, the mayor, the whole yeshiva stay. The mayor official. Which one? The mayor. When? This year. I don't think so. Well, Finkel said all the Borough should, should not go back because of the floods. They don't know if they're going to be able to come back. Everybody stayed. Uh, I don't know. I didn't hear about it. If that's the case, it was a very smart decision. Thousands of Borough stayed. But now, this week and next week, they know everybody goes back to yeshiva. They kill you. They kill you. You pay for the flight sometimes more than the annual tuition. Think about it. Elal? Elal, United, all of them. For wait two weeks, I don't like two weeks. Uh, and you know what's going to happen? The more you wait, the more it goes high. And by the way, I just found out something else I didn't know. When you look from your computer for, in a special website for a flight, the computer memorizes your IP number. Right now the price is 500. Next time, after a few times that you try and you keep checking, uh, raise the price. They already know you've been there a few times. I never know this. Sodom and Gomorrah in front of our eyes. So you have to go to a different uh, device. A different device. You go on the phone, you go to your sister phone. You use VPN. I don't know what to say, but one thing I can tell you, the little good news that we have, as I've been telling you all along, that the vaccine saved Israel. Reality now, that's a no more argument. The corona went in Israel by more than 90%, went down. Almost nobody dies now, Baruch Hashem. It used to be close to 100 dead per day. The vaccines about close to five and a half to six million Israelis got two shots of the vaccine which killed the virus in Israel. They opened all the stadiums, they opened the restaurants, opened the shows, they opened all businesses, everything as usual. 95% as usual. Flights, there's still the flights, but now it's very difficult to enter Israel. When you want to fly to Israel, you have to make a test here, PCR test, 72 hours before you get on the flight. You have to bring a letter from the doctor that you're recovering from corona or you got vaccinated. One of the two. So you have antibody. And you cannot get on the flight without a, a lab test, PCR, that you do not have corona and you have antibody. Then when you arrive to Israel, you cannot leave the airport. Before they let you in, you have to go to the machine over there where they have over there the Israeli doctors and nurses. Make another test, pay money, wait four hours for results. Can I leave the airport to sit there and wait? If the results come negative, they let you in. Look how many steps. When you go home, you're not free. You have to sit two weeks in quarantine. Unless you do serologic uh, test, another test for antibody. You have to go to another place and make another test. Look how many tests. One, 
First, the letter from a doctor that you're recovering from corona. Or that you got vaccinated. But that's not enough. Why? Because people cheat. They bring fake ladies. The Israeli, you can't fool them. There's no way you can't fool them. What? But if somebody comes with a vaccine and a letter from a doctor, why you don't let him go free? Ah, what do you think? We, we're stupid. Everybody has a friend that is a doctor and he brings a letter. We got this. We will check you again. You check in the airport. In that case, I don't understand why they need you to make a test before. You're testing me anyway. It's my problem. I get all the way to Israel. You send me back. No, we'll test you again. And then you still have to be in quarantine. And if you don't have a place to be in quarantine, they send you to motel. I don't want to tell you what kind of motel. <laughs> you may never come out of there. It's like Hotel California. You can check out any time, but you can never leave. After you're there, you're done. Rock Hotel. It's crazy. Just, you know what? It's going on here. Hashem sends a message here. It's becoming harder and harder and harder to arrive to the Holy Land. And I saw it in one of the books 10 years ago. In days of Mashiach, people will wait 10 years to be able to arrive to Israel. Now it's beginning to become reality. Chaz v'shalom, if there's going to be another mutation, that's I can forget about American citizen cannot enter to Israel more than here. If you want to go, your wife is American, your children are American, they're not Israeli citizens, you cannot enter Israel. Nobody can enter Israel unless you got a special student permit, which they gave at one point. I think now they don't even give that. Maybe now they will start again. Every week it's changed. You want to go to Israel, you have to thank Hashem with singing for a week. Not to talk about if you have the merit to buy one thing in Israel one day. You don't understand what's going on with it. It's like Hashem is closing on us from all directions. Chaz v'shalom, we don't miss the train. When people used to... We read yesterday in Haftarah, if you remember, we read in Haftarah, on Yom Tov, Shvi Shel Pesach, about the Mashiach. The Mashiach, children, the son of the King David, is going to come and smell. He won't judge you based on what he see and what he hear. He will smell who you are because he has a divine spirit in him. He will smell you and beruach piv memit rasha. He will say a few words and the wicked people fall and die. In the Zohar it said they will all go on fire. That's why in the past generation, some of the tzaddikim, they say, when Mashiach come, I will never dare to show my face. Why? Why? You're a big holy rabbi. Why, why do you want to I'm full of sins. How will I dare to show my I can fool him. I can fool him and her. I can fool the world. Two, I cannot fool Hashem and the Mashiach. The Messiah, why? Because Hashem is putting his spirit in him. Gives him divine power. You, you're not a Kohen. You, you're not a Levi. You, you're not Jewish. Imagine he comes and say a few words and thousands of people go on fire. It's going to be a panic moment. To be honest with you, after all what I read, 
Kifalim, that Mashiach came, I don't know where to write, to be honest with you. Maybe I should prepare myself a bunker. I should prepare a bunker, maybe, to, to go under the ground, maybe, to, to stay there. I don't know. Maybe it will take him a few years to find us over there. I don't know. Scary! Did you read what the, the Aftarah, the Navi Yeshaya said? This was written 2,600 years ago by the prophet Isaiah. Yeshaya. Or Yeshayahu. What does it say? Beruach Sfatam Merit All the wicked people come. Shh! Can Merit say this? Vanish. Crazy. Scary. There's a lot of work about time. A lot of work. Just because the boat is drowning doesn't mean we can't save ourselves. Amen, anili, mili. And I'm going to save your soul, nobody will do it for you. The only thing that can save your soul is you without the effort. Lots of prayers, lots of crying. Now it's the time more than ever to cry. Non-stop to cry. I heard today Rav Amrami say that he has a student 35 years old in our Choma, in Yerushalayim, in his community. He was in the board of the shul. 35, Ben Chamo his name. Ben Chamo. He spoke about it in his last Russia. He said, you know Ben Chamo from the board, 35 years old. All of a sudden, he leans on a wall. He cannot move his hand. He can move his hand. His hand is dead. His legs started to jump. Jumping. Jump, like this. Some shot in the brain. Short, electrical shot in the brain. He can't move one hand, and the legs started to move, jump. They take him quickly, they knew right away it's a brain thing. Took him to the hospital, they told him, we have to open up your brain, do an operation. Six months, you won't be able to even think about walking or, do, or doing anything. That'd be, it's horrible treatment, recovery, it's endless. So what did he do, Ben Chamo? He went, he ran out of the bed of the hospital without permission. He was in the bed. He's supposed to stay there for the surgery. A moment that his, his legs start to jump and his hands, you know, okay, without the hand, but at least he could walk. He ran away from the hospital. Where did he go? To Kever Rachel, the grave of Rachel. 24 hours straight on the grave, he was crying. But crying, choking from crying. 24 hours. Don't let me be paralyzed at 35 years old. What happened after? He went back to the hospital. They examined him before the surgery. So we don't find any problem. Everything is gone. First examination, doctor looking at this MRI, you know, MRI, all the, wow, we all have, it's a disaster what you have to go through. Millions of dollars also, these treatments, with brain and heart. And what happened in the end? Nothing. Crying is the final weapon that we have remained. It's written. Sha'are lo ninalu. They asked Ravovadi, how come all your sons are rabbanim? Now one became a drug dealer, the other one became chiloni. Some rabbis have bad kids. Not everybody has the best kids. It's Chakya Zaysa. After that, everything is possible. 
He said every time I came to the pasuk, ונהיה אנחנו וצאצאינו וצאצאינו, כולנו יודעי שמך ולומדי תורתך לשמע, אקראי נאנסטאפ. My children to be בני תורה. Did he send them to university to destroy their soul? Of course not. Would we do such thing to the pure souls of the, of the children? Like some parents here call themselves religious, they force their children to go to Sodom and Gomorrah University with all these liberal lefty traders, haters of Torah, with rotten ideology who contaminate their brain and make them haters of Hashem. They make fun at Sadiqim. <laughs> It's fanatic. Fanatic. Why it's fanatic? Because he keeps everything boy, Hasidish or Svaradi, learn in Yeshiva. Five million degrees. Why? Because that's pure. It's no kfira over here, no heresy, no fakeness. It's real. Assuming is a tzaddik. Just to learn good is not enough. You have to also be tzaddik. What's better? To have a boy, tzaddik, keep all the mitzvot, but doesn't know so much Torah, his brain is not so great. Or to have a super sharp, great, genius boy that everything is so sharp, but a real faker. Davening is not davening, honesty is no honesty, modesty doesn't exist, not, not straight, not honest. What's better? You have to be super stupid to think that it's better it will be sharp in a Torah but will be rotten in Midot. That's pure stupidity. You don't understand alphabet of the Torah. The whole purpose of learning Torah is to become a decent human being. So if you only got a car, I gave you a car and your goal is to arrive from New York to Los Angeles. That's the goal. I gave you a tool to be able to fulfill your mission, to be able to drive from New York to Los Angeles, you need a decent car. I gave it to you, but you drove around the neighborhood for three weeks. You did not touch the goal. It looks like you're driving. Your friend drives and you drive. But where is he driving and where, where are you driving and where he is? He's on the way to his destination. Meaning he become better and better every day, fixing his personality traits. And you stay the same or get worse. After a while, when you don't fix your personality, you become more dangerous more lazy, more arrogant, more uh, ungrateful, more and more and more. Why? Because you can never stay in one place. A Jew never pause. Always either on the way up or always on the way down. Up or down. There's no... It's like the stock market. You don't have a second that it's paused. You always move. The numbers. As you see in Manhattan, they have these numbers. The national debt goes up and down a tenth of a second by millions. That's the life of a Jew. That's why Rabbi Nachman Mibreslev has this famous song. Very famous. Everybody likes to sing it in Shabbatonim, in seminars. Kola olam kulo gesher tzar meor 
already made millions of mitzvot traffic. Millions, if you to count, it can count. It's tens of thousands of years, lectures two and a half hours, affected so many people. Everyone who takes his child out of public school, moving to yeshiva, everything that came out of that lecture goes to his account for eternity. For a few hundred dollars. I, I want to tell you something. One person said to me, I want to take you to your birthday to a restaurant. I said to him, nah, I don't need it. It's a waste of time. No, they didn't leave me alone. No, you, you're hurting me. I have to. I went to some fancy restaurant. Me and him. Dinner. You know what was the deal? In Brooklyn. Not Manhattan, Brooklyn. $400. Which place? I want to say the name. Bajonal. Later, if you want, you tell me I'll warn you not to go there. $400. Now, this is almost what it costs to sponsor a lecture. $500. Everybody gives you $500 to $1,000. You make millions of mitzvot for a price of a lousy, stinky steak. That make you suffer in a bathroom a few hours later. That's the truth. How dumb we are, all of us, no exceptions. Even those who know Torah act dumb, stupid. If you can't give yourself, you make other people give. Bezrat Hashem, tomorrow I'm gonna speak in Brooklyn. I don't know about next week, I may have to go to Israel, if I'll be able to go through the bureaucracy and all the nonsense of the, of the, all the headache that they have. If I find a normal uh, flight, maybe I'll be able to go, we'll see. So before you come, please check next week if there are lectures on or not. I don't want you to come all the way and find out that I went away. The app, I tell you something. Uh, about nine, nine to 10% of the people got rid of my app. You know why? The app is great. We made a great upgrade, you know. You saw the upgrade, fantastic. The app is amazing. Works. There's download now. You can download lecture to your phone or to your computer. And now we're gonna have a website soon, like the app. You can watch it on your computer. The app gets better by the week. But across to nine percent, I figure how many people downloaded in the past, and now it went down to one nine percent. Who knows why? One word. One word. Vaccine. Very good. Vaccine. People, wicked people with huge ego, when things don't go their way, you know they say in America, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> if you comply with my beliefs, you caution. If one thing you don't think like me and you don't surrender to my stupidity or to my belief in university, I don't want to hear another word of Torah from you. What's well, the connection? Okay, so you don't want to take vaccine. <coughs> you may live, you may die. It's your life. But what does it have to do with all the Musar and all the other great things? Ego. Mm -hmm. You would rather, but I'm so happy. I'm, I almost dance. <laughs> Usually if I lose people, I get upset. But here I was very happy. Why? I want to get rid of all these people. I don't want one of them in my lectures. Same thing, I don't want people that listen and don't share. I also don't want them. Selfish. 
So if I would see 10% uh, of the people leave, I know already why they leave, because of that topic, they get angry. Because not everyone dances according to your music. Somebody disagrees with your shtuyot. I'm against conspiracy, YouTube. No matter what, they still will not surrender with their ego. They see that Israel got saved. Without the vaccine, you would have now more than 30,000 dead people in Israel. Since four months ago, they started to give the first shots, I think three months ago. Every day, calculate 100 people per day. You calculate. It will get to 20 to 30,000 dead. It's stuck in 6,200 people. Too much. But that's because there was no vaccine. The only thing that released Israel, the only country in the world that is business as usual, released, nobody died. In Brazil, 4,000 people die a day. Every day. In Italy, in France, in every country. Even in the United States. But the United States now gave tens of millions of vaccines, so the number is starting to come down. But these people full of arrogance and ego, this Reshaim, with their ego all the way up in the Shamayim, they never ever admit, I was wrong, you're right, the vaccine saved our country. But when was it okay? She asked me to support the country, I can't take it. Exactly, 100%. 100%. My mother took it, my aunt, my uncle, more than a thousand people that I spoke to personally took it, everybody's happy, everyone's free. They go around corona patients, this, that, they don't worry anymore, they don't walk with masks anymore, they walk into the shul, they get on the bus, or do whatever they want, everybody got free, nobody dies. The people have short memory, they forgot the panic that we lived in a few months ago, they forgot. Reshaim al pitcha shel gehinom enam shavim betshuva. Wicked people, meaning arrogance, full of ego, when they see their place in hell. And in one minute you've been thrown, you're going to be thrown there. I still don't change my mind, I was right. What, you fool? Ask Hashem, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're right. I had it all wrong. Sorry, it's too late. You were judged already. But at least, like Eichmann Imach Shimon. To the last second, he did not ask for any apology from the Jewish nation. He wanted a glass of wine, a German newspaper, and a steak. They're going to hang you in an hour, you fool. Say something. I'm sorry, I killed a million people. I have deep regret from your nation. I was stupid. Adolf Hitler brainwashed me, forced me, threatened me. Make some kind of excuse. Try to save your reputation by 1%. Something that in history you will be memorized as a monster, but not a worse. You sweeten a little bit your image. Nothing. That's what Nafshar said in Polovich. That's the difference between a kosher Jew to a monster. But we have monsters among us today. If it doesn't go their way, they'll do everything they can to destroy you. You don't agree with me? Yeah. You don't agree with my university skills. But it's not me, it's Frank Kanievsky. It's the biggest rabbis in the world. Who cares about the rabbis in the world? I care about my, my university skills. We know better than the rabbis. That's the cancer, the spiritual cancer of our nation. 
We have our lecture about it, Kvot Talmidei Chachamim. Someone that answered a question in front of his rabbi. Your rabbi sits next to you and someone asks a question and you jump to answer. You have to be executed by the law of the Torah. Chayav mita. That's what happened to Nadav and Aviyu. Going to read it soon in the parasha. Why Nadav and Aviyu died? Listen, read the Gemara. Shoru halacha bifne Moshe and they went and jumped and answered, and they were big chachamim. Well, not little kids. They know a lot of Torah. Somebody asks a question, there's a rabbi over there, you be quiet. You answer, it shows you arrogant. You disrespect chachamim. What's the punishment? Death penalty. Shmuel, Shmuel. Equal like Moshe and Aaron, the Gemara said. Shmuel, when he was two years old, he was a super genius baby, super genius. Two years old, you already know the whole Torah. They ask a question, Elia Cohen, Hana could not have kids for years. She was crying for Shmuel, for Shmuel. Finally, Shmuel was born. Shmuel answered Alacha in front of Eli. Eli told Hana he must die. Two years old. I can give you a whole lecture just about it. Bezrat Hashem, maybe we'll do it next time. She had to beg, Lanar Azeit Palalti. Don't, so I'm going to give you, I will give you from Hashem a better boy than him. Why he wants to get rid of him? He smelled in him the genes of Korach. He came from the family of Korach. He said, that's already like Korach, rebel against his rabbi. Already answering questions here. Why did the Tanakh bring us such a story? To teach you how horrible it is, even when you're innocent, when you're a little child, and you already answer in front of your rabbi, Chayav Mita. And yeah, they didn't kill him, of course. It was like more rewarding. It was really more to teach humanity about the severity. Severity of, of answering when your rabbi is in a room. So imagine when you speak against him, not answering halakha to someone, you actually go. Imagine when you speak against the biggest rabbis in the world, what's gonna be your end? The hell will end and your punishment will not end. They think they're smart, these people. Ah, we'll delete the app. Delete the app as much as you want, nobody needs you. But we will see like the Chilonim said, when you will see the consequences of your ego and your stupidity, then we will see how much you're going to regret the moment you press delete and you give up hundreds of hours of Torah a month for your stupid ego. Vaccines. How many of those people with their ego are dead now? Do you know how many people in Israel are dead because they refuse to take the vaccine? There is nine pregnant women now in a hospital in Israel in critical condition. All nine refuse to accept the vaccine. All of them. You understand, Rabotai? So, Bezrat Hashem, enough with this ego. Baruch Hashem, we finish with this topic already a month ago. But from time to time, you can see still people, Baruch Hashem, most of them are quiet now. I assume that they realize that they were wrong. 
and it's already two, three months, and nobody died, and everybody function, and Israel is full of, Baruch Hashem, life. Just imagine if we did not have the vaccine in Israel, Israel would be officially bankrupt now. Israel, today they publish, is in a deficit of 180 billion shekel. Will take over a hundred years to make this money back to the, to the bank account of the government. 178 billion dollar deficit. It's not bankruptcy. It's bankruptcy multiplied by a hundred. Now you need a huge miracle to get back to a healthy economy after such a damage. Without the vaccines, now it will be probably 400 billion deficit. At least now they open everything back. Business started. Taxes. They couldn't collect taxes the whole year. Nobody worked. Nobody had no sales tax, no nothing. You understand how We have one little tiny country. Chaz v'shalom, if this country will go bankrupt, bankruptcy of a country can cause a civil war, can cause thousands of people to commit suicide, can cause riots, can cause depression, can cause so many sicknesses to people, can destroy society, can destroy, it, it, it make you so vulnerable and so weak that your enemies can take advantage of a situation and attack you and destroy you. Why? Because you can't even pay to buy bombs for your planes. Look at countries like, like Ireland, Spain, Greece, they're all bankrupt. Argentina. I once had Piamenta Alava Shalom, it was the best Jewish guitar in the history. Yossi Piamenta Alava Shalom passed a few years ago. He was in my house with his wife for Shabbat. She was Argentinian. She told me that when Argentina collapsed, the owners of the banks, they took all the money on semi-trailers and ran in the middle of the night to Chile. Took all the money of the people and ran. People woke up in the morning, found out all the life saving, all the money they had, it's all gone. The government may rule, nobody can take money out of the bank account. I don't remember all the stories, it was a few years ago. But, but believe me, it was very scary. You know what can happen, what happened? It almost happened here, in 2008. The government of the United States bailed out 19 major banks. If the government would not do it and give them tens of billions of dollars printed money, America today will be finished. Everybody will kill each other on the street. Nobody will have access to their money. People begin to rob each other. You saw a little taste from the riots, what happened here, for a few days. You saw, right? Multiplied by a million. That's what would happen here. Israel, same story. Plus Israel, everybody hates everyone. This kind, that kind, this one. Look at the politics group. Everybody hates everyone. Arabs, Zionists, Chabad, Breslev, Sfaradim, Hasidim, Satan. Everybody against everyone. It will take you two years just to understand who's against who. Yes. That's what the Gemara said. Before the Mashiach would come, I meant the end The truth will become impossible to find. Ne'ederet comes from the word Adarim Adarim. Eder, cattle, a group of, of sheep over here, 
a group over there, a group over there. Everybody with his own kind, and everyone is against everyone. Today, they had to recommend to the President of Israel who should form a government. Even that, they don't want to recommend. We don't recommend anyone, some of them say. The Arabs don't want to recommend anyone. This Gidon Saar doesn't want BB, but he doesn't want the lefties. Lieberman doesn't want the BB, but he also ate the lefty, and the lefty with the Arabs, so he's very much against. Everyone, it's such a salad. Hashem put us on our knees. No government. I will run the world. That's it. No more politicians. <laughs> we are now facing fifth election in two years. Five elections, it takes usually 20 years. Every election costs 4 billion shekel. Added to the deficit of 178 billion shekel. I told you, it will take a hundred years to get back the damages of the last 14 months. It took us 72 years of unbelievable talent and hard work and investments and everything to build a beautiful country in the Middle East with success and good economy. Everything went down the drain. We are now worlds from the time after Yom Kippur days. When there was a big war, thousands of people died, it was a big depression. But Baruch Hashem, at least Hashem had mercy on us, the first country got the vaccines in Israel. Bibi called the head of Pfizer more than 30 times, one time in 2 a.m. Woke him up in the middle of the night to his cell phone until he agreed to give the vaccines to Israel. Of course, it's all from Hashem. But Baruch Hashem was a good messenger. What is the thank you he got from the lefties? They want to drink his blood faster and more. Abuse him nonstop. One good thing he did, give credit. Now one good word can come out of their filthy mouth. Can't. Why? They care about the truth. The lefties ever cared about the truth? They only care about their agenda, whatever they want to do. They don't care the country, let the country down. Look at uh, Biden. Already bringing millions of immigrants into the country, Arabs and Spanish, which will all be Democrats. That's the goal. Approve every student. Terror, ter not terror, terror, nobody cares. Everybody is welcome. Approve all the student visa. How do you know? September 11 was all Saudi terrorists. They all came here on a student visa. Check who you bring in. They're going to bring all kinds of cartels, all kinds of drug dealers, murderers from all over the world. They destroy the country even more. They're already here. He doesn't care. They're already here. They're already here. Those who were waiting for deportation, he canceled all the deportation. Criminal, drug, unbelievable what's happening here. Already told Iran, we're willing to renegotiate with you. Remove some of the sanctions that we can remake a, a new deal. The Iranians cannot believe how lucky we got that we got such a moron. They make fun of him. They laugh in their face. No renegotiation. Remove all the sanctions or we won't talk to you. They make fun of the Americans. Make fun of the Americans. And the Israelis as well. Why? It's all for Hashem, you don't see. That's what we say in the tefillah. Avadim mashlu banu porek en miyadam. 
slaves took over and control us, we have no salvation from their hand. You go you crazy, you go crazy, you read the headlines of the news and you cannot believe that a normal human being would make such decisions. And who's behind all these decisions? Hussein Obama. Oh, yeah. He's the president now. Sleepy Joe doesn't remember his name. Hussein Obama, he said, I always dream about a third uh, convention. Third term. Third term. And now he got it. He pulled the strings. That's what's happening all the time. One thing, just to remind you, if someone forgot to say the, uh, the counting of the Omer, you have all day the next day to say it without the bracha. For instance, if yesterday was 8 and you forgot, you had until today around 7.15 to still say it, but without the bracha. The following night, you continue to count with bracha. But if you forgot the next day to say without bracha, and the next night came, you cannot say bracha anymore until Shavuot. And it's a short in a preparation for Matan Torah, the Zohar said. Make sure you make yourself a lot of reminders on your phones. If you go to Minyan every night, they will remind you over there, they pray, and they count. Some people who don't pray in Minyan, they have a big risk to forget. So at least make an alarm. Put an alarm in every night around 10 o'clock at night, for sure, that it's night. Then in case you forgot, it will remind you to count the Omer. We're going to pray our week now. Baruch Adonai, Amen, Amen, Rabbi Hanan, 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 Rabbi